0: I find as I approach 60, my wife doesn't like me to say that because I'm still three years away, two and a half. Uh, so the font is now 13.5 <laughs> if I don't want to wear my glasses. And um, yeah, my, up here with this light behind me, the, the, it's shining on my head and so I see this round circle in the middle of my notes. <laughs> So I'm like taking this time to talk to you about that and see if I'm going to be able to read this without someone bringing me my glasses. I think I'm going to make it. Luke chapter 4, we're going to start at 16, we're going to go through 30, and we're going to get through it fairly quickly um, to get to our topic tonight. Billy kind of hit on it. He used the word oppressed, I'll use the word burdened. Are you, are you burdened? You You have a burden. Burdens come in lots of different forms. can feel like a weight. Some burdens, as we all know, are unfortunately self-inflicted. Some just come from living in this sinful world. Some just come from living in this once very God-fearing country to now it's kind of split, isn't it? Some burdens are for a purpose. Jesus was burdened, and that burden drove him to the cross. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word as we open it tonight and uh, look at many different scriptures. Lord, would you open our heart, would you open our mind Lord, the scriptures that we've read before would they be refreshed in our in our spirit and in, and in our mind and our souls? God, and would you be, be glorified as we as we speak of your word tonight in Jesus' name, Amen. So in Luke chapter four, starting at verse sixteen, so Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. This is his hometown. This is fairly quickly. This is the first year of his three three-year ministry that he goes to his own people in Nazareth. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So already we see that Jesus gives us a great reason to have a custom of going to the house of the Lord and read scripture and fellowship together. So tonight, because you're here on Wednesday, you get an A. And I hope it's your custom. I hope it's your custom to make sure that you continue in fellowship, continue in the, in the word. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Verse 17, and he was handed the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, think about this. Think about this. Jesus turned in his Bible. The same Bible you have tonight. You can turn to Isaiah 61.1 and you'll find what Jesus read. That's amazing. He read this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And look at this. And all eyes and all who were and all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. Jesus had their attention. I get, I get the feeling when Luke is writing this that this might have been a little different than your average Saturday or whatever day he walked into the synagogue because he noted the folks were paying attention. What's wonderful about having a a church where we read the verse by verse and teach it simply is that when we sit in the chairs, we're interested. We're interested because we're reading the words of life. We're reading the Bible. We're reading God's message To us, verse 21, and he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This prophecy in Isaiah is about Messiah, and Jesus just declared in his hometown, I am the Messiah. What a moment for Jesus! You see, Jesus is God, but Jesus came as a man. Imagine going to your family that maybe doesn't know Jesus and have an opportunity for your whole family to have eyes on you and proclaim Jesus to them, that they could be saved from their sin. That's what happened that day. Verse 22, so all bore witness of him and marveled at the glorious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. Jesus knew the rejection that was about to come that Luke's gonna write about. And yet he was gracious in his speech. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Hey, we know this guy. He's the carpenter's son. The Messiah? Really? He's one of us. Their faith wasn't quite there. Verse 23, and he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Jesus had done miracles in Capernaum. Jesus is basically saying to them, You're going to say to me, and what you're thinking is, well, if you're a Messiah, start healing yourself because we think you're crazy. We think you need a little healing yourself. This ridicule continued on the cross. Remember, as they mocked Jesus, what did they say? If you're the Messiah, come down from the cross. Save yourself. Save yourself. Verse 24. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Your own country people know you too well. They knew him too well. Their faith wasn't there. Jesus is referring to their lack of faith in him as Messiah. Verse 25, But I tell you, truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, even uh, when when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. But none of them... But Elijah, uh, but to none of them was Elijah sent except Zarephath in the region of Sidon, a woman who was a widow, a Gentile. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Nahum the Syrian, another Gentile. Jesus is referring here on two occasions when the Gentiles actually had more faith than Israel who had the prophets to speak to them. And God recognized the Gentiles' faith over Israel. Look at verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, rose up, thrust him out of the city. They led him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then, passing through the midst of them he went his way. Jesus in total control passing right through the midst of them with I'm sure what was a broken heart. And he carried this burden and he carried this burden of wanting to save his own people and wanting to save the world and he carried that burden so that we could be free from our burden i have heard pastors say the christian life it's easy it's filled with peace joy grace blessings i've also heard pastors say it's hard to be a christian today's society being a christian it's hard It's a burden. It's a cross we all must bear. So which is it? I would submit to you that it's both. That being a Christian, having your sins forgiven, is such a blessing and it brings such a peace and it brings you such joy, but at the same time it comes with burdens. Jesus saved us from the burden of sin. He empowers us to overcome the burden of the flesh. He asks us to carry the burden of the Lord. So in order, the three quick topics we're going to hit on, burden of sin, burden of the flesh, and the burden of the Lord. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23 and starting at verse 1. I remember I, 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 I grew in my first Calvary was uh, Pastor Rawl Reese in Southern California. And Raul at times would love to go just to all kinds of scriptures. And that's what we're going to do tonight. And uh, my best friend was going to uh, that church at the time. And, of course, we always messed with each other back then when we were young. And, and, and so one of the things we used to do, we'd sit right next to each other, is when, when Raul would say, now go to this scripture, we'd, be, we'd, we'd like have this race to see which one could get it to it first. Now, if you have a phone, it makes it real easy nowadays, right? But if you have a phone, I hope you can take notes on your phone or you bring a pad of paper to take some notes. But if you have that, if you have that book, and we turned in those pages remember we identified with Christ as he opened the book and he read Matthew 23 and 1 then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples saying The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat therefore and in other words they they're looked up to they have a place of authority therefore wherever what whatever they tell you to observe that observe and do But do not according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move, will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. Jesus is a is comparing the teaching that they're receiving from the religious leaders to his message, the gospel. The scribes and the Pharisees, you see, they thought, they actually thought and taught that righteousness came by keeping the law, the law that they didn't even keep. And the law, and and as they taught it, it just brought a heavier burden on people who were already burdened by sin in the first place. Faith in God and the message, and and faith in God and and faith in his Messiah was always God's message, always God's purpose, even in the Old Testament. Turn to Matthew 11 and 28 as you're in Matthew. And we'll see the contrast of, of what Jesus said. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. So you can get there first. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, And my burden, my burden is light. The difference between religion and relationship, religion packs on do's and don'ts. Relationship with Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sin is relationship with a God that loves you and will walk you through the burdens of life. Has saved us from the burden of sin. Jesus here is using words that we find in the book of Isaiah. So as Jesus did, turn to the book of Isaiah. If you go to the middle of your Bible, you'll find Psalms or Proverbs. And then you go a couple of books to your right. You'll find Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And then you'll find Isaiah. And we're going to be in 10 and chapter 14. When he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're going to to see what he was referring to. In these two passages, here, here in Isaiah, God has used is going to use, and and the message from isaiah is, is is about this coming captivity, this this coming correction on the children of Israel because of their sin because they had walked away from the Lord and the Assyrians were especially brutal when they would take over people they would they would put uh, boards across your shoulders and tie your hands up and shackle your, your hands. They would put rings in the noses and, 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 and pull uh, their, their captors off to be slaves. And here in Isaiah, God says through Isaiah, with judgment and captivity, it, it's coming, but so is God's restoring grace. So it was God's restoring grace. Isaiah 10, starting at verse 24. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. He shall strike you with the rod and lift up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt. For yet a little while and the indignation will cease as my anger as will my anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts will stir up a scourge for him, like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. As his rod was on the sea, so will he lift so will he lift it up in the manner of Egypt. What is Isaiah saying here? He says, Listen, I will save you from the Assyrians, just like I saved. You from the when you were when you were taken over by them through the hand of Gideon, just like I saved you out of Egypt when Moses' rod hit the Red Sea and it parted. And I saved you from slavery. Look at verse 27 there in Isaiah 10. And it shall come to pass in that day that this burden will be taken away from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. Flip over to chapter 14. Chapter 14, and again starting at verse 24, the prophecy from Isaiah continues. It says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely I have thought, so, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. When God thinks something, when He purposes something, it's going to happen. That's the message Isaiah is bringing to the people. And He says in verse 25, that I will break the Assyrian in the land, and on my mountains tread him underfoot. Then his yoke shall be removed from them, and his burden removed from their shoulders. Now look at this. Look at this, verse 26. This is the purpose that is purposed against the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. God is saying through Isaiah, hey, I'm not, I'm, I, I am going to judge the whole earth, but guess what? I'm going to die first so that whoever comes to me, won't face that judgment. That's my purpose for the whole world. When Jesus said, come to me in Matthew 11, he was saying that my purpose is to break the yoke of sin in your life. It is my purpose to remove the burden of sin and the law. that's my purpose. That's what I want to do for you. That's what Messiah showed up saying. That's what he took to his people first. The gospel is for the Jew first, then for the Gentile, yea, for the whole world. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin, what we deserve because of our sin, it's death, it's judgment. But the gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The burden of sin has been taken away from all who repent and come to Jesus. If Jesus has showed up in your life and he's revealed the gospel, his word to you, and he's revealed to you that you're Messiah, Don't let him walk through the midst of you. Don't let him walk through the midst of your soul. He is your God. He knows your name. He wants to forgive you. And Christian, never take it for granted. Because he walked into your life and he opened his book and he revealed it to you. To take the burden of sin from you. Powerful. Powerful. Thank you, Jesus. And teach us to overcome the burden of the flesh. Now turn to Romans chapter 7. He saved us from the burden of sin. He teaches us how to deal with the burden of the flesh. But first, we're going to kind of talk about that. And Paul does a wonderful job. And many of you know Romans chapter 7, and you know already what I'm going to read. We're starting at verse 18 in Romans chapter 7. Paul writes about this battle with the flesh, this burden of the flesh. He says, For I know that in me, That's in my flesh, the burden of the flesh. Nothing good dwells. But to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do or want to do I do not do. But the evil that I will to do or the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells in me. Paul is only referring to the condemnation of the old man, the flesh. He's he's not for one second saying, hey, don't pay attention to your sin and just say, well, that's not me anymore. I'm just a wretched sinner. That's okay. No. He's saying it's a reality that, that he struggles with. Look at verse 21. I find then a law. That evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, the saved man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, into a burden, to the law of sin which is in my members, in the old man. The old man inside is still have, has evil desires. That's why you can be sitting in church and have the stupidest, most sinful, wicked thought go through your head to where you say, oh, Lord, just forgive me. What in the world? That's why indeed it is a burden. Look at what Paul said in verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Sounds like a pretty good burden that Paul had. And he even wrote it down. And he wrote it for us. Because he was, he was in the midst of it. Anyone suffer from this ailment? Anyone identify with Paul? Christians, oh, wretched man that I am. Sometimes you just go, Lord, Lord, I just... Whatever, take, you know, take this old man from me somehow. And, and yet, it is God's plan for us to make those choices every day and to overcome by him. Look at verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, with the flesh, the law of sin. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So that's the key. You're in Romans, turn over to Galatians, it's right after 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And Paul gives us a wonderful wonderful clue as to how to overcome this burden of the flesh. Galatians, Paul really has already said by the time we get to chapter 5, and we're starting at Galatians 5 and 16. After Paul declares that we are saved by grace, he says, and not only that, we're perfected by grace. We don't, we don't, we don't just work it all, all out on our own. He doesn't just leave us alone to deal with this burden of the flesh. In verse 16, he says, this I say then. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. One sentence. One sentence. I would submit to you that being Christian for any amount of time, you know that year in and year out, you have this battle with the flesh and sometimes it gets you and sometimes it, you, are, you do feel oppressed and greatly burdened. One sentence, he says. Now, this one sentence has a lot of implications in our life. But it's still one sentence on how to overcome the burden of this flesh. Walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. We know this. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. We have to be very careful, and I think the dividing line here is, because the reality of our Christian walk is that I have that wicked thought, I can say that wicked thing, I can sin, but if I'm truly cut to the heart and led by the Spirit, then the Spirit's going to lead me to what? Repentance. And God says, hey, if you sin, you have an advocate for the Father that Jesus is going to be your lawyer and he's going to declare you free from that sin, not guilty. And it's not something we can be presumptuous about. It's not something we can, we can just say, well, bless the Lord, he forgave me. No, it should cut us to the heart. Because, Lord, I don't want to do anything that you died on the cross for in my life. Right? Right? And it's a burden, and it should, it should be, but it should be a good burden that we take to the Lord that now we walk according to the Spirit. The burden of sin is overcome by the blood of Jesus. The burden of the flesh is with us until Jesus takes us home and we lay the flesh down. The burden of the flesh is also made light by walking in the Spirit. The burden of the flesh is, yes, even overcome by walking in the Spirit. You say now, how, 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 do I start, how do I start walking in the Spirit? The Spirit of God is God. And this, if you're a saved Christian, then the Spirit of God is working through all of these different things that we do as Christians. When you pray, it's for a reason. It's not to be religious. The, the Spirit works through your prayers. When you read the Bible, the Spirit's working through your reading. That's why it's important not to take your Bible reading and your Bible study for granted. When you fellowship, When you serve, the Spirit of God is working through you. And when you do those things, you are are practicing overcoming the flesh. And if we continue in those good good things, and we never grow weary in doing those good things, Paul says, hey, this burden of the flesh it's going to become lighter and lighter. That's why, Christian, if you've ever walked away from church... And you got out there and you got smacked around by the world. You know the burden of that. And then you came back. And all of a sudden, there was strength and there was power again. And there was peace again. Because you started walking according to the spirit. Thirdly, the burden of the Lord. It is a privilege. So what is the burden of the Lord? Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. The gospel of Mark chapter 8. Starting at verse 34 in Mark chapter 8. It says, when he had called the people to himself and uh, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. See, when Jesus carried his cross, his body was so broken that he couldn't he couldn't finish that walk. He had to some he he needed somebody to come and finish carrying that cross. So that he might go and they might nail him to that cross and die for our sin. Jesus was burdened beyond strength. He knew what it was going to mean to carry that cross and to die on that cross. That's why in the garden the night before he sweat great drops of blood. A burden. A burden in his his heart and in his soul for you and and for me. He knew what it meant for him and your savior also knows what carrying your cross is gonna mean for you. And you're not gonna have to do it alone. Just as he didn't have to do it alone. The Christian walk is hard sometimes. We will be burdened, and sometimes I would submit to you beyond measure. Sometimes so where we just have nothing left. Sometimes we just say, Oh Lord, come help me. And he will. Last portion of scripture we're going to turn to is 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians, Chapter One Paul, in his missionary journeys was simply doing what God had called him to do. Paul was saved miraculously. And God wanted to send him to the Gentiles. And he found himself beaten. He found himself imprisoned. And yet we we know when we glean from Paul's writings and his books that Paul was filled with an assurance and a joy and a strength. A strength all by the holy spirit all by jesus all by his savior all for the reason that god had called him in second corinthians 1 and 8 he tells the corinthians this i do not want you to be ignorant brethren of our trouble which came to us in asia that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even of life it looked like we were going to die yes We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises from the dead. (laughs) He's saying we were sure we were going to die and our only solace was that God is going to raise us up from the dead. That's how burdened we were on our journeys. Verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us. Like Paul tells the Corinthians, you, you were praying for us in it, and it made a difference. Think about that when you think your prayers don't mean anything. That thanks may be given by many persons. On our behalf, for the gift granted to us through many. In our nation, sometimes in our Americanized version of Christianity, we can be guilty of wanting heaven on earth. Don't get me wrong. Life uh, life is to be more abundant in Jesus. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be comfort, cozy, rich, wealthy, healthy. Paul didn't experience any of those things. Prison and beatings and persecution from his own countrymen was not cozy or prosperous or healthy. It was a burden. It was a burden he carried, the burden of the Lord. And he had joy because of it. He had joy. He had an unspeakable joy and hope. Flip over just a few chapters to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Paul says, but we, that's all Christians, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul was operating in prison and all of these things that he had to go through in new cities and what's going to come next and somebody's in his face and somebody's ridiculing him and somebody's wanting to throw him in jail and somebody's wanting to beat him knowing this is not my strength, God, I'm going to be strong through you. Verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side. Do you ever feel that way? Hard-pressed on every side and every circumstance of life is against you. But not crushed, he said. We are perplexed. We are confused. We don't know what's going on. Lord, where are you? But not, he said, in despair. Persecuted. But not forsaken struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may uh, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal flesh. You know what Paul just said there? His suffering, our suffering, the things that we endure, when we pick up the cross and follow Jesus, then Christ becomes real in someone's life. That's what manifest means. He's manifest to someone. Paul, Paul got to talk to the prison guard and some of them got saved when he was in prison in Rome. Manifest through his burden. Think about that next time you have a burden. They're not fun. But they have a purpose. Each one of them. If we, if we believe that the Lord is using everything that I experience and everything in my life to, to, to to, to show someone him than even the burdens. And man, sometimes that's real difficult because I just want to complain about the stupid burden rather than understand, okay, Lord, who, you gonna, who do you want me to bless because of this that's come against me? Who do you want me to bless? Even if it's me just, just enduring it with joy and peace is a testimony to your family to your friends, to your coworkers, without you saying a word. That's picking up the cross and following Jesus. And when we pick up that cross, Jesus gets glorified. People in our lives see Jesus through us. The burden of the Lord is good. Yeah, it's hard. It means we die to ourselves and we live through him. This is the best place we can be. He took the burden of sin for us. We get to take his burden of love to a lost and dying world. If we see it that way. This is where you and I decide whether we're going to have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview that affects every circumstance, every issue, every trial... Every decision that we make, that's a biblical worldview. That's a Jesus worldview. That's a Holy Spirit, what do you want to do worldview. What a privilege that God would want to work through us, his church, to reach the world. And that's how we set it up. You know, we, we take on so many burdens. If you own a home, you immediately took on the burden of debt. Chance are, if you own a car, most of us can't pay cash for that car. You took on the burden of debt for that car. If you decided, I'd really love to have a boat, you know, that's a money pit, and you just took on a burden that's, oh, my goodness, you better enjoy it down there at Pueblo because it's going to cost you a lot. I have never owned a bo- boat Solely, I bought a boat for five hundred dollars with with uh, a, a brother in Christ, and uh, I had fun with it. But then it was it was gone. I you know I, I was at a church camp up in Washington on a lake, and and we were serving the Lord, Lisa and I, and we had this opportunity to buy this boat really cheap, and it wasn't a, you know it wasn't a, a big deal in my life. But man, did did we have fun? Uh, summers, but it's a, it's a burden, right? I mean, you get, you got to pay that money for that. If you, if you take on the burden of the gym, my goodness, you're carrying a burden across the gym just to sit down on a bench and do some more burdens. You choose that burden for temporary looks, for temporary fitness. Because it's all great, going to come to an end one day. When we take the burden of the Lord, it will have an eternal effect on us and others. Think about it, think about it. What a privilege to get to heaven and see those who carried the cross for us because some did and some that you don't even know about. And what a privilege to get to heaven and meet the folks that you carried a cross for, to affect them, to make a difference in their life, for Jesus. Free from the burden of sin, victory over the burden of the flesh, privileged by the burden of the Lord. Wednesday nighters. thank you for your commitment to prayer. Your commitment to knowing the word. Your commitment to fellowship. Your commitment, your commitment to be part of the body of Christ. Your commitment to walk according to the spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word that is so complete. Lord, you've you've made us to worship you. Lord, you've shown us that that we work best when we walk in your grace, when we walk in your love, when we walk by the Spirit. Teach us what that means from day to day and week to week, year to year. Lord, we put our trust in you. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.